Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. Good to be with you guys. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're here. Turn me down just a little bit, please. Now turn to the other person and say, I'm glad you're here. Your second choice. Not as glad, but still glad. I'm glad you guys are here. I just want a a quick reminder. Last week, I asked you guys to pray. Um, We're going to do some work to our parking lot, just trying to make make it a little bit bigger, make a little bit more room for our friends and for our families. And so I asked you guys to pray about uh, an amount that maybe God would lay on your hearts to give towards extending that. So take this time, pray about it. If you're married, uh, talk to your spouse about it. You guys pray about it together. And then next week is when we're going to give, okay? Is that is that good with everybody? That's, that's what we're doing. Good. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to read verses 14 through 22. Today we're talking about the enthusiast or the party animal, the person that just loves to have fun. This person, the enthusiast, they just naturally have a smile on their face. Um, you, you, you almost, I mean, you could just about... Slap them across their face, and they're still going to be smiling. They just, they have, uh, you know, they're, they're very optimistic. I'm not an enthusiast. See, an enthusiast is naturally happy, naturally joyful, uh, just, again, naturally always has a smile on their face. Doesn't matter what's going on in life. Doesn't matter what just happened. Doesn't matter, you know, you could, they're, they're the person that you offend, like you're trying to get in a fight with. And you just tell them the dirtiest, nastiest thing that you could think of. And they just look at you and just smile. And just... What are you... that's, that's what kind of person the enthusiast is. The enthusiast just finds a way to make everything fun. I, I, I've shared this story with you guys, but I, had a, I have a had. He's, he's still alive. I have a cousin that is an enthusiast and, 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 and much more whenever we were younger. And so we had a, I had a broke down power wheels, a power wheels that did, would not charge, would not hold a charge. And so what is the only way that two little boys can have fun with the, power, with the broke down power wheels? Anybody know? You roll it down a hill. That's right. That's right. Well, you know what? What's terrible about rolling a power wheels down the hill? You know what you got to do to have fun again? You got to push it back up. And so my, my, my cousin, he says, man, let's not do that. This bike is easier to push up. And so we started taking turns at the top of the hill. He'd get on the bike first, and then I'd get into power wheels and just kind of duck down. And he'd roll down the hill, ram into the back of me, go flying. Then I'd get up and say, oh, it's my turn now. And, and just broken toys. So it was a power wheels that wouldn't charge and a bike that didn't have brakes. And so he found a way to have fun, and that's what enthusiasts do. They naturally have or find a way to have fun. I don't have very much number seven in me. Now, I try to around um, my family and around very, very close friends, but outside of that, I tend to try not to be the funny guy because I'm terrible at it, and I just make things awkward. Like, you know, like, like when, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to go through with this next part. But like when, a, a, a couple of, or, or a month ago, or a little bit over a month ago when we're, when we had the Valentine's dinner and we're trying to get couples to dance and I'm trying to be a leader, but I don't know how to dance. So I like just start flossing awkwardly. 
You see, anybody else in the world does that. You guys don't laugh, but you laugh at me because I'm just so awkward at trying to be an enthusiast. So I don't have very much number seven inside of me. But, uh, but David, David did. David in the Bible, David was a great man, man. David was, was a man that, that was known as after God's own heart. And he was, David was a type of guy, and this is what enthusiasts do is you're either all in or you're all out. So that scripture in Revelations where God says, because you, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you are timid, he says, uh, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Enthusiasts don't really have a hard time with that part because if they're going to sin, they're going to sin good. And if they're going to worship God, they're going to worship God good. They are either all in or they are all out. And that is the type of person that David was. When David was pursuing God and when David was following God, man, he was all in and all about it. But whenever he was unhealthy in his relationship with God, whenever he was uh, not pursuing God, not following God, man, he takes the wrong turn. And we're going to look at that this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Verses 14 through 22. I hope you've had enough time to find it. Um, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So one thing that I want you guys to know before we go go forward, the reason David has danced is because they're bringing the Ark of Covenant back to Israel. And the Ark of Covenant contained the Ten Commandments and contained the presence of God. And so David is very, very excited that they're bringing this Ark of Covenant back in, into Israel. And so he starts to dance. Verse 15, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window, and this is uh, David's wife, by the way, uh, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Sometimes, number sevens can be a little bit embarrassing. And that's what's going on here. She's looking through the window and she sees David, who is the king of Israel. And he's just jumping around and he's worshiping God. And she is ashamed. She is embarrassed. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed it among all the people, among the the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. David is throwing a party. So all the people departed, everyone to his house, and David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, again, David's wife, came... Uh, came out to meet David and said, how glorious. Now, this is, this is sarcastic. She's speaking sar- sarcastically. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base, base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Let's pray.
God, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we ask you this morning that you would just speak into our hearts, speak into our minds. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says. Amen. So David is very, very enthusiastic about, again, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel. And he's wearing the linen ephod, uh, which is a priest's garment. And uh, it's more like a robe. Think of a robe. And David starts dancing. And then David starts, I guess, maybe even jumping. And apparently David wasn't wearing much underneath that robe because his wife Michael is mad at him because he exposed himself. When number sevens, when 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 enthusiastic people, when an enthusiast starts to party, man, they can get a little bit reckless. They can get a little bit wild. Now, now here's the thing. Now, David was doing it here, and he says, "Man, I wasn't doing it for you. I wasn't doing it for the people." David says, "I was doing this before who? I was doing this before the Lord. I was doing this before God." And so if you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago, the number five, the observer. Remember, I challenged all of you who are number fives. I challenged you to, to, to show, to connect with God emotionally a little bit. And during worship, I said, I understand if you can't go full touchdown mode. And maybe you can't even cradle the baby. But I said, remember, remember I said, but at least maybe try to point your fingers up. Start off with that. See, that's the problem that the number five has, the observer has. They, they, they have a hard time sh- expressing emotion and showing emotion and, and, and showing joy and being happy. But the enthusiast is complete opposite, man. They are all in when it comes to having a good time. And can I just say, we need a few more number sevens in this church. If we had just a few more number sevens, I just might get an amen every now and then. Amen. Oh, look at that. But, it, but, but number sevens, man, enthusiasts, they are great people. They're great people to be around. Number sevens, they reflect the joy of God. They reflect the joy of God. And I want you to know, I don't know what your beliefs are. I don't know what your backgrounds are. But I want you to know that God is a good God and that God is a joyful God. I think sometimes we grow up in church and, and, and definitely me, so, you know, I, I grew up in church and man, it was all about discipline and it was all about sit down and shut up and don't smile and you're not supposed to laugh and you're not supposed to be happy at church. You, you guys with me? And then people like just like get up and like give their testimony because that was real popular back in the late 80s, early 90s and, and, and it'd be like, I'm so happy with God. He's been so good to me. He just brings so much joy to my life. And I'm like, what? Tell your face, bro. Just so serious. And, and, and I do, listen to me, I do want to apologize. If you, were, if you grew up in that background, if you grew up uh, with that belief, if you grew up believing that or, or being taught that, I want to apologize because that's not what church should be like. Church should be joyful. Church should be fun. And we should laugh every now and then. Man, John Maxwell says, learn to laugh at yourself because everybody else is. 
You guys with me? It's okay and it's good to laugh. It's okay and it's good to be joyful. And the number seven, the enthusiasts, they reflect the joy of God. Again, God is a joyful God. He is happy. He's not sitting up there just waiting, waiting to condemn somebody, just waiting to strike somebody down, just waiting for somebody to sin so he can just like pick you up and toss you like the Hulk into hell or something. God's not, God isn't, he's not like that. He is a joyful God, man, and he is. And that's why the Bible says that every time somebody comes to life, every time somebody accepts Jesus as Savior, you know what happens? There's a party in heaven, and everybody in the trumpet sound, and, man, people are dancing, and maybe David is up there and maybe exposing himself again. I don't, I don't know what all goes on up there. I hope to find out one day. But man, what jo- God is a joyful God. And number seven, they reflect the joy of God. And number seven, desires to bring more joy into the world and need to be free. Would you guys agree that this world needs a little bit more joy? Would you guys agree with that? Would you guys agree that this world needs a little bit more godly joy? You know, like the kind of joy that... that I was going to say something inappropriate. I shouldn't say... But anyways, the kind of joy that doesn't end up with a headache and, a, and, and heartache the next morning and a hangover the next morning, the kind of joy that doesn't lead to some type of addiction, the kind of joy that doesn't lead to some type of disease. Would you guys agree that we need more godly joy in this world, more godly joy in this community, in our surrounding communities? Would you guys agree with that? And that's what the number seven wants to do. The number seven wants to bring joy into the world. Now, maybe they don't know how to do it, all of the time, and maybe they don't do it the right way. Maybe sometimes they say the wrong thing. They say the inappropriate joke, or maybe sometimes they, they, they just, again, they, don't, they just don't know how to do it in a godly way. But we can learn. We can learn to bring joy into the world in a godly way. The number seven is motivated to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. They're motivated to pursue pleasure. And this can be good, just like in most. This can, this can be good. This can be bad. It's okay to pursue pleasure because God is the author of pleasure. Did you guys know that? You know God is the author. God invented S-E-X. Did you, I spelt it out for the young ones. But God, God invented that. God invented, God is the author of pleasure. So it's not a bad thing to desire or to pursue pleasure whenever it's in the right context, whenever it's in a godly context. But here's where it can become bad is because they begin to avoid pain at all costs. So they pursue pleasure, but they avoid pain. And this is what it looks like. See, in, this is what it looked like in David's life. So David, at one point in time, he's, he's a king. Again, remember, he's a king over Israel, which means he is the most powerful person in the nation and, and possibly even in the world at that time. And uh, he can have anything that he ever wanted. And one day in the spring, when all the kings are supposed to be at war, David decides he stays home. So here he is avoiding pain. He should be at war where all, of, where all the other kings are, where all of his troops are. That's where he should be strategizing and watching the war. He should be there, but because he wants to avoid 
pain because he wants to avoid any displeasure. He stays home. And because he stayed home, one day he's walking across a balcony of the, of the, uh, of the castle or the kingdom, whatever you want. He looks down and here's this woman named Bathsheba and she's taking a bath and she's nude. And David looks at her and he desires her. He doesn't have the self-discipline to say she's a married woman, to say she's not mine, to say I shouldn't be doing this. But he calls her up and he sleeps with her, and then he impregnates her. And instead of having the tough conversation with Uriah and just saying, you know what, I messed up, this is my mistake, this is what I did, he tries to cover it up, and he hides it. And you know what he does? He has the man killed. Now maybe maybe you guys won't ever go to those extents, but the problem with the number seven, with them avoiding pain, is they won't have the tough conversations. And life requires tough conversations. Would you guys agree with that? Would you guys agree that sometimes we have to get a little bit red-faced and just tell the truth? And this is when it becomes a problem with the number seven is because they'll, they can become very, very shallow in their relationships. Because as soon as there's something to work on in the relationship, instead of working on it, they jump ship. Are you guys with me? And, and, and they, they tend to maybe even switch jobs because instead of trying to get better at their job, instead of working through the progress, instead of working through the process, it gets difficult, it gets awkward, and they just jump away. They just run away from it. And so they pursue pleasure and they avoid pain. The ugly, their core sin and this sounds so weird, but their core sin is glut, glut, gluttony, gluttony, gluttony. I don't know how to say it. Gluttony. I'll just say it like that. But that's something, you know what? That's something that's not talked about very much in the church. But gluttony, I want you guys to understand. I think most of the times whenever we, we use this word or we hear this word, we relate it to food. Like Thanksgiving Day when you don't step away from the table. How many of you guys eat until you hurt on Thanksgiving Day? I remember years ago, years ago, we're going to this conference and it's the company sending us. It's me and another guy and the company sending us. And there's there supposed to be, we're, we're on our way. It's in Dallas. And, and uh, the guy that I'm going with, he says, this was my first time to go, go to this. He says, EJ, they're going to feed us. They're going to feed us good. He said, I, I, I want you to understand this. Don't stop eating just because you're full. And don't stop eating just because it hurts. Suck it up. It's good food. Keep on eating. And that was the first time that I did that in my life. Like, I was miserable, guys. Like, I'm just like, I'm almost crying. and just, it's so good. And so, so oftentimes we relate gluttony to, to food, but it's not just that. I want you guys to write this in your notes. Write this in your notes. Right next to gluttony, write binging binging you guys know what that is you binge watch on netflix if one episode is good all six seasons is better you guys with me yeah amen you sit there and you and you, and you start you start a new series on netflix and the first episode was so good and it was a cliffhanger and you can't they can't they can't do that to you they can't leave you on a cliffhanger so you sit there and you watch it watch the next episode <laughs> And it's another cliffhanger. 
are, do they die? Do they not die? What, what, do they break up? What, what's going on? So, so you sit there and, and you watch the next one. Next thing you know, you started Sunday afternoon. Next thing you know, it's Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock. And you don't know why you got fired. It's binging. It's just sitting there and saying, man, one, if one is good, two, three, four, five, six, it's better. And that is the sin, listen to me, that's the sin, that's the core sin of the number seven, the enthusiast. Because again, what do they pursue? They pursue pleasure. And they avoid pain. They pursue pleasure, they avoid pain. So they get so sucked in, man, and it's so, they, they just, they've got to watch the next episode. They've got to watch the next episode. They've, they've got to eat the next dish. They've got to eat. They've got to try all of the entrees and all of the desserts. You guys with me? And so they begin to binge, and they binge on eating. They binge on food. They binge, I mean, they, they binge on, on, on watching TV. They binge on social media. And you sit there, and you just scroll and 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 scroll. Next thing you know, you're, you're creeping somebody like three years ago. You look at their post and it's like April 3rd, 2010. You guys with me? This is what the enthusiasts, this is their core sin is they, they will become, listen to me, they will become very, very impulsive. Very extremely impulsive. Because they get into, whenever they're unhealthy, whenever they're not pursuing God, whenever they're not following God, man, what, what they start to do is they start giving in to everything that might feel good. To every fleshly desire, to every uh, even sinful desire, they'll start to give in and they don't think about it. They don't think about consequences. They don't think about what's the right thing to do. They become very, very impulsive. And so they'll start skipping work just because they felt like skipping work. They'll start going places just because they, they felt like going places. They'll start talking about people. And they'll start talking about people behind their backs just because everybody else in. So I'm just going to jump into the conversation. Very impulsive and not thinking about the consequences, not thinking about what's the right thing. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to do a whole series on these two scriptures. They're, they're just so good. It's known as the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy, remember, God is a joyful God. God, is a, God wants us to be joyful. So the fruit of the Spirit is, joy, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And here's the one that the number seven hates. Self-control. Self-control. Against such, there is no law. So a fruit of the Spirit is what? Is actually self-control. And listen to me. If you're a number seven, this is, this is the excuse that you'll use for binging on everything that you do. This is the excuse is I can't help myself. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge to be honest and just say, I don't want to help myself. Do you ever, do you ever just try to... Ask a little kid why they did something. Zion is in this stage now. And like he'll just 
whatever. He'll make a mess or, or hit a sister. And so I sent him down. And why did you do that? I don't know. Like, what is it like every little kid goes through that stage? I don't know. Look at me. Look at me, Zion. Why did you do that? I don't know. Zion, this is what you did. Look at what happened. Why did you do that? I don't know. And you see, it's, it's, it's kind of cute in a little kid. But when you're 30 years old and you keep doing the same things over and over and over and you're still impulsive and you still don't know why you did what you did, it's not cute anymore. You guys follow me? It's kind of cute whenever the, the little kid just can't help themselves and they like go get something or, or they do something and they're, they're a little bit impulsive. But when you're 52 years old, it's not cute anymore. It's not cute to be impulsive anymore. Do you guys follow me? Listen to me. A fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of God working inside of you, a fruit of God living inside of you is self-control. It's being able to say no to yourself. Oh, that hurts so bad, doesn't it? Does it? Doesn't it? It does. It's so hard for us to say no to ourselves, but it's actually a fruit of the Spirit, self-control. So let me give you some, some biblical truths here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to, how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number one, biblical truth, practice contentment by learning to reflect and thank God for what he has done. Practice being content. Be content with only watching one episode. Instead of seven seasons. You guys with me? Be content with only having five tacos instead of 30 of them. Y'all are like, that's impossible. What are you talking about? <laughs> Practice contentment. Be content in your relationships. Be content in your friendships. Be content in your own life. Be content with, with God, with what God has blessed you. Learn to practice contentment by reflecting and just thanking God. Man, if you would take time, if you would seriously, if, if, if all of us, instead of wanting and wanting and wanting, if we would just actually just sit back and reflect on our lives and what we have, who we have around us, and then take a look outside of our little bubbles. And see how blessed we are. I think we'd be a lot more content. You guys with me? If you just, if you just understood. If you understood that if you have a meal today. If you have shelter and you have clothes to change into. If you understood. If you just realized that if you have those three simple things that you're better off than 80% of the world. Literally, that's not a made-up statistic. You're better off than 80% of the world. 80% of the, 80% of the world don't have those three things. I think we could be a little bit more content. I, could, I think we could stop binging for a little bit. 
I think we could stop saying more, 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 more. Are you guys following me? If we just stopped, reflected for just a moment, and thanked God for what He has blessed us with. Number two, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. I want you guys to go there. Find find Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. I want you guys to highlight this scripture in your Bibles. Psalm is going to be in the middle of the Bible. Pretty easy to find. It's the biggest, largest book in the Bible. But it does throw you off because it doesn't start with an S. It starts with a P. English. Tell you what, man, English is crazy. Psalms. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. Highlight this part. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man, highlight that. Underline that. If you're a number seven, you need to print that off and you need to put it on your mirror. You need to put it on on your dash in your car. You need to put it somewhere where you're going to see it every single day. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Learn to find joy in Jesus. Listen, if you're a number seven, I'm not trying to make you to get, be serious. I'm not trying to make, keep you from having fun. I'm not trying to keep you from laughing. All of those things are good traits, and you reflect the joy of God when you're having fun and when you're laughing and when you're telling jokes. You're reflecting the, the joy of God. I'm just asking you to find it in Jesus. Here's the third part. Listen, and this is so important. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 12, if you're a number seven, you need to find this and you need to highlight this as well. All things are lawful for me. In other words, I can do pretty much anything. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Would you guys agree that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should? You guys agree with that? Just because you can doesn't mean that you should, and that's what he's saying. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Man, you guys, we, if you're number seven, you need to highlight that. I will not be brought, brought under the power of any because what goes hand in hand with your core sin of, of gluttony, of binging, is addiction. Because you've got to have it, you've got to have it, and you've got to have more, and you've got to have more, and you've got to have more until our brains are wired and we are addicted to whatever it is, whatever it may be. And so, so Paul says, man, I can, all things are lawful. I can do anything, pretty much I can do anything that I want, but not everything is helpful. Just because I can do it doesn't mean that I should do it. And, and then he goes on to say, because I don't want to be brought under the power of anything. I don't want to be addicted to anything. I don't want to binge so much on social media that I've got to have it. To where you open your phone, you're not even thinking about it. You just open your phone, boom, there it is, and you click on it. You weren't even thinking about it. You didn't even, you didn't even tell yourself, oh, I want to get on social media. You just open, there it is, boom. And before you know it, you've been scrolling for 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, you're under the power of it. So number three is set boundaries. Learn to set boundaries. 
And if you're number seven, you hate this because you want to be free and you feel like, you, you, you feel like Mark Wahlberg and uh, the other guys. I'm a peacock, man. You got to let me fry. Okay. I thought that was funny. You see, I'm awkward when I try to be a number seven. That's just the way it is. So if you're a number seven, you don't like boundaries. But let me tell you, boundaries are good. Boundaries are good, man. We live by boundaries every single day. Every single day when we're driving down the road, there's two boundaries. There's a yellow line and there's a white line. And boundaries are good because if I just wake up today or if I just, as I'm driving to D-Queen later on today and I just say, I don't care about, I got, I want to be free. I don't care about boundaries. I'm just going to drive wherever. I'm going to hurt somebody and I'm probably going to hurt my family. You guys with me? And listen to me, number seven, when you live life without boundaries, that's what you do. When you live life without boundaries, you hurt other people and you hurt yourself. Learn to set boundaries. You guys with me? I feel like I'm just sucking all the fun out of this. All right, how to love a number seven. We'll get a little bit more fun. You know, just, just a fun little fact. I didn't realize that funner wasn't a word until like two years ago. In my defense, we're in Arkansas and probably 80% of y'all didn't realize funner isn't a word and you use it every day anyways. Anyways, how to love a number seven. Number one, give them lots of room to play. Understand, man, they're going to they're gonna have fun. They're going to try to find a way to make things funny. They're going to try to find a way to laugh. They're going to... Give them room to play. Like whenever, uh, and, and this is, I'm just going to be honest, this is a, a, a fault of mine. This is, this is something that I struggle with because, man, whenever I'm working and whenever I'm like intense and whenever I'm focused, I don't want to be laughing. I want to get the task done. I want to get the job done. And I have to understand and I have to remind myself, not everybody thinks the way that I do. Remember, I'm a number one. I'm a reformer. Better, better, better. How do we make this better? And sometimes I can suck all of the joy out of something, all of the fun out of something. And it can be hard for a number seven to be around me because I just want to get it done and they just want to laugh. You guys follow me? I've, I've, I've been a part of painting every part of this building about three times. And let me tell you, not one time did I ever get in a paint war. Not one time was I like, paint on somebody, ha ah, that's funny. I'm like, you're wasting paint. What are you doing? Get it on the wall. <laughs> but the number seven, they'll be like, ha ah, that's so funny. Oh, I got paint on me. And I'm, like, and I'm just like, you're not efficient at all. What are you If you love a number seven, if there's a number seven in your life, you're married to one, you have one as a child, or give them room to play. Give them room to play. Make sure the job gets done, but give them room to play. Give them room to have fun. Number two, this, this part isn't near, near as much fun, but number two, help keep them accountable to their responsibilities. Help keep them accountable to their responsibilities. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 17, Solomon I mean, not, not, not Solomon, Jonathan, excuse me. Jonathan was a very good friend of David's. And in 1 Samuel 20, 17, Solomon, uh, I said it again. Jonathan actually goes to David and he says, hey, I want you to vow to me. Make me a promise. And then the, the, the Bible says again. 
He made them promise their, their relationship. He made them strengthen their friendship because Jonathan loved David and David was a number seven, which meant he was always a flight risk. Which meant at any time he could just get tired of the relationship and leave. He could get tired of the friendship and get out of it. Meant at any time, any time that the friendship got a little bit difficult, got a little bit awkward, any time it got tense, any time there was something to work on on the friendship that he could just leave, walk away from it, and never think about it again. But Jonathan was a loyalist. Jonathan was the number six loyalist, and he made David promise to him, hey, we're going to be friends. We've got a covenant. We've got a pact. We've got a promise together. Promise me again, Jonathan says. Again, because a number seven likes to avoid pain, they will shy away from responsibilities. And if you love a number seven, you have to help keep them accountable to them. Now, don't be a jerk about it. Don't be harsh about it. Don't be rude about it. But hold them accountable. Help hold them accountable. Help them set boundaries in their lives so that they can be held accountable to their responsibilities. Number three, recognize when they choose to deal with problems recognize celebrate when instead of walking away from a relationship from a friendship from a job from from whatever it may be instead of them walking away they actually decide you know what i'm going to face this and i'm going to go at this celebrate that in their lives when they take responsibility man say i'm so thankful that you're doing that i'm so proud of you for taking responsibility it wasn't easy i know this is the hard way but i'm so thankful that you're actually stepping up and you're taking responsibility good job remember what gets celebrated what it gets repeated what gets celebrated gets repeated so celebrate them Whenever they decide to own their responsibilities, when they decide to make the difficult decisions. And number four, just like in all, man, appreciate the joy that they bring into your life. Appreciate the joy that they bring into your life. All of us need a number seven, especially, especially if you're a number one like me or a number three. If you're number three, you need an, an achiever because we tend to be very goal-oriented and, and you tend to be very, uh, very focused and you just want to get the job done so that you can get move on to the next one. You need a number seven in your life. You need somebody to kind of keep you grounded, to kind of keep you balanced. So appreciate them. Show them how much you appreciate them. Show them how much you love them, how thankful you are for them. Let's bow our heads. If you're number seven, here's your prayer. God, help me to run to you and not from the pain or towards all pleasure. Help me to develop deep and lasting friendships with people who want to have fun, but that can keep me grounded. Help me to have tough conversations. Real life requires and remind me to be thankful for what you have done. So I want to speak to you. If you're a number seven, you're an enthusiast. Again, I want to say, man, I'm thankful for you. If it, because of you, I get a couple of amens on a Sunday morning. So I'm thankful for you. I'm thank you for your enthusiasm. Do you make worship more fun because you tend to sing loud and you lift up your hands? I like that. I'm thankful for you. Remember that you reflect the joy of God. And I want to apologize to you for if somebody's ever tried to 
keep you in a box when you were showing godly joy, when you were showing a a good joy. But I also want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to not avoid pain. I want to challenge you to to take responsibility when you need to take responsibility. I want to challenge you to have the tough discussions. I want to challenge you to work on your friendships and on your relationships. I want to challenge you to set boundaries. I want you to know, man, we need you. We need you as friends and we need you in this church. I'm thankful for you. And there's some of you, there's some of you that you're, you're number seven. You are enthusiastic everywhere but church. I want to I wanna ask you and I want to encourage you. Go ahead and let some of that out here in church. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun at church. It's okay to be joyful at church. As long as we're finding our joy in Jesus. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this has impacted you and you would like to help us to continue to reach others, please text GIVE to the number in the description. For more information about us and our ministry, go to theremodeledchurch.com.